lot of coverage this morning about the commemoration of uh, Bloody Sunday in Selma. And, you know, I, I probably upset some people this morning. That I, I have to tell you, um, I am beginning to question not our study of American history, but the things that we're choosing to commemorate. Mm, you know, there, there are events in our history that we commemorate because at the end of the commemoration, we all walk away feeling like we're a part of something great. We're a part of something good. We're a part of something positive, uh, momentous in the history of the world. And I, over the last couple of years, feel like we have gotten to a place, kind of like a teenage girl who cuts her arms. Oh, I, I love the pain. I, I love, I, I'm bleeding a little bit. This makes me feel alive. You know, it's kind of a mental thing that I'm not sure is very healthy that we commemorate awful events in, in in the ceremonial way. I don't I don't mean whitewash them. I don't mean leave them out of the history books. I'm not saying ignore it. Um but do you th- I mean, do you hear what I'm saying? Something there's something about commemorating something awful that I think has a negative psychological effect on the modern era. And it's and it's I, I, I feel like we're doing it a lot these days, and I'm not sure that it puts us in a better place. It'd be one thing if we all said, "Oh man, America is so much better today than it was uh, decades ago," and look at all the achievement that we've we've had, and people get along better, and and we're not we're no longer abusing people based on race or you know other identifying factors. It's, we're so great because we fixed it. I don't think that's the mindset that comes out of these commemorations. And I honestly, I feel like Democrats, especially like Joe Biden, who, did you watch him trying to walk across the bridge yesterday? Poor old man. God, he can barely lift his legs. It is pathetic. They really put, should have put him on like a wheelie, a dolly or something and care, you know, rolled him across. It was that pathetic. I felt bad for him almost. Uh, I, I just feel like the Democrats are manipulative about it. Now, he didn't, he didn't know I was going to bring this up, and maybe George Allen doesn't want to talk about it, but uh, when I was working for you, Senator Allen, Governor Allen, you, we, you were in the Senate, and you went to Selma, if I remember correctly, with yeah. John Lewis. and You Correct. had a good experience, didn't you? Yes, I did, John. I was listening to what you were saying, and uh, when I was in the Senate, they invited me to go to it's, it's an organization called Faith and Politics. Mm-hmm. And uh, and learned about the civil rights movement. I grew up in a football family, and I'd missed all this. I, I learned a great deal. We went to Selma, we went to Birmingham, went to Montgomery, and it gave me a perspective I hadn't had before. In fact, and you uh, say you asked, missed it because of what? Because everybody was just, could you play? And how good were you? And it was all meritocracy yeah, I, in football. Exactly, John. I grew up in a meritocracy. The, the players I played with, the players on my father's team teams were were different races different religions different ethnicities some were right. from tennessee some were from texas some were from pennsylvania some were from missouri you didn't care about any of that all you mm-hmm. cared about is could they help the team win and uh, and under and in fact i was at at that uh, at the beginning of this civil rights pilgrimage as they called it right right uh, i remember saying i don't see how anybody could just turn the other cheek getting knocked off of uh 
lunch counter stools. The only reason to turn the other cheek is because you want to give them an uppercut. Right. And they're right. saying, no, you do, you just don't understand. This is to be peaceful. And it was very faith-based. The churches were very important in all of this. And there was a guy who was once a linebacker uh, for from California who was there. He's with, a, with Toyota now. And he was once a Bla- Black Panther. And he said, well, I agree with Senator Allen. I don't see why you all put up with this kind of okay. stuff. So, of course, all of us change. I mean, no one looks at the world at age 50 the same way as you did at age 20. Yeah. Muhammad Ali said anybody who looks at the world the same as when they were 20 has wasted 30 years of their life. But uh, I learned a lot, and I think, there, I think there's a value in commemorating the walk over the Edmund Pettus Bridge in, in Selma. It, yes, it was a tragedy. So was 9-11. So was Pearl Harbor. So was Bunker Hill. Uh, and and, and starving at Valley Forge. And there's a lot of parts of history, or the Alamo. The Alamo was a defeat. It's the most inspirational aspect, I think, of history in the United States. It was Texas, but it's the lesson from David Crockett and and those who died at the Alamo was it's not how long you live here on Earth, it's what you do with your time here on Earth. And everyone is inspired and remembers the Alamo. So Mm -hmm. I think that the, the voting rights efforts in Selma uh, and walking over that bridge and the brutality against John Lewis and others, you could look at, all right, this was in the 1960s, and, and uh, there was 1% or 2% of, of blacks who were allowed to vote in those days, and look at how much better it is. Look at the progress that we've made. It is a, it is a, a more perfect union with more opportunities for all, regardless of the race. And are we meeting uh, Martin Luther King's uh, aspiration that people be judged by the their character rather than the color of their skin. So I think it's good to commemorate, to remember, and see see what progress we've made. And well, I hear what you're saying. Because there's a dog barking down. Yeah, that's all right. You know, I hear what you're saying, and, and I'm inclined to agree with you. And what today is, uh, today is the commemoration of the fall of the Alamo, isn't it? So you right. know, I'm, I don't want to be a total hypocrite and say, oh, well, we shouldn't commemorate one thing and, and then, you know, have a big party about but uh, I, th- uh, I really do think that remembering how, how cruel and how awful and restrictive uh, life was uh, prior mm-hmm. to the Voting Rights Act and you know the, the progress that has been made uh, well that's the I key thing is the progress right. if you focus on right. that then we're in a better place I just exactly yeah all right well I didn't want to eat up all our time on that but it kind of okay. struck me and I remember right. that you went there when um, when no, I was working it, it was with you very, it's, yeah, it, it had a, a, a. It was very educational, informative, and and in some ways, uh, I, 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 you may have heard me say this. I said I wish I had known all of this twenty years earlier. Hmm. Uh, but that's life. You always say, "I wish I knew then what I know now." Right. That's part of life. All right. Well, let me ask you about um, CPAC and and the uh, the, the poll because yeah. again, when I was working for you, you won. The CPAC poll for uh, the, it shows you the, it shows you how how prescient the polls of CPAC are. <laughs> well, when, when Adam asked me to be on your show <laughs> this morning, he asked me Friday afternoon, and he said, "Oh, they'll probably want to talk about CPAC." And I said, "Well, I think President Trump will win the uh, straw poll bigly, and he did. bigly, and he is, did, which, and he did." And the attendance, though, John, seems to have diminished from what it was. Oh gosh, twenty years ago, even. 
even 10 years ago, there's less coverage. Uh, Governor DeSantis, one there, Vice President Pence didn't show up. And it's uh, it was it was, you know, President Trump spoke and and the audience was uh, overwhelmingly Trump supporters. It did feel like there were it was Trump world. I mean, everybody was there uh, on display with tables seemed to be very, very pro Trump, which I I mean, I guess that makes sense that he was he's the most recent Republican president. But there it wasn't a head to head match like here's Ron DeSantis and here's Nikki Haley. And then in the afternoon, we're going to hear from Donald Trump back to back to back so you could make an objective opinion. You think this matters at all? when it comes to picking up a, a nominee? Uh, well, the people who go to CPAC, a lot of them are, are activists. Everyone who goes to CPAC is going to vote in primaries. And yeah. so that that's an indication of, of that part of the party. Yeah, most people who vote in, in primaries in various states don't go to, to uh, the D.C. area or go to conventions. They're, right. they're busy living their lives, working, so forth. But it is it is a show of some strength. The others, uh, some of them were at this uh, Club for Growth. Now, those folks are money people. And, and the reality is the Republican Party for a long time has many wings. And you've heard me say this, that the, the, the challenge and the goal for any candidate is to get all those wings flapping in the same direction, yeah, right. which is, which is sometimes very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's, it's still very early. Uh, and clearly from all, all other polls, it's, it looks like a race between uh, president, former president Trump and governor DeSantis and, you know, the vice president Pence will probably get into it and uh, maybe governor Sununu and maybe governor Youngkin. And, and maybe well, that's my next question. I know, I want to lead into you. (laughs) Governor Youngkin's polling has increased apparently by five points. I think he's at 57% positive approval rating here in Virginia, which is pretty good. Um, Yeah. What do you you make of that? Is that just, uh, should that be leverage for him when it comes to dealing with Virginia Democrats to get things done in Virginia, or is this the kind of number that says, oh, well, maybe maybe he, you know, let's say Donald Trump gets knocked off and isn't going to be the nominee. Do people look for a fresh face and say, here's Glenn Youngkin, he's wealthy, he's been governor of Virginia, let's let's pick him. That's kind of the way he arrived on the scene here in Virginia to, to get the Republican nomination for the governor's spot. You make two really good points, John, and I actually think that the popularity in the poll, and again, the, what's good about this poll is that it's a Roanoke College poll and then another Roanoke College poll. Mm -hmm. Usually in polls, you have to take an average of them all. So this is very good news, and I think it ought to be leveraged uh, for policy in in Virginia. And they still have to get their budget done. And Governor Youngkin is trying to reduce taxes to make Virginia's cost of living and cost of doing business less and thereby create more job opportunities in a more competitive state where North Carolina has lower taxes than we do, and Tennessee has no state income tax. And, you know, states of the south of us have much lower costs of living and cost of doing business. And I think that it also shows that uh, I think Virginians appreciate one of the, the key issues is law enforcement. You see that in New York City. You see in the governor, the mayor's race in, in uh, Chicago. And he is, is working hard to you know, back the blue. And one of the, the key issues that propelled Governor Youngkin's election is a national issue, and that is parents matter in education. Right. And it's in, adi- in addition to high academic standards and accountability in schools, 
parents matter and the continuing fight with the, the school board in Loudoun County trying to hide the ball on sexual assaults that occurred there. And Attorney General Biaris is involved in this as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and trying to, you know, get parents involved in, in the education of their children. And I think that's appreciated by the people of Virginia. The other thing right. that I think people appreciate is he's liberated Virginia from all those restrictions and muzzling and vax mandates and all the rest. And we're finally catching up to the, the states that stayed open. So, right. so Virginia is ascending again. And I think it's, I think that uh, legislators want to be on the right side of the voters. And yeah. I think governor Youngkin is. And I also think in that poll, it showed that he could beat Joe Biden. So whether Governor right. Youngkin runs for president or not, I think he's put himself right at the top of uh, a good selection to be vice president. Well, you've studied this for a long time and been in the mix, so I thought your uh, perspective on it would be important. Former Virginia governor, former U.S. Senator George Allen, I always appreciate the chance to talk to you. Thank you. Adios.